So if you've been coming here for a while, you obviously have heard us talk a lot about our vision and you know raising up game changers and how people have a calling and a purpose that God has prepared them for in their lives and that he wants them to live a life that's impactful and that's influential and that changes the scope of our world. It just changes, transforms the landscape of things uh, in a powerful way. And you've heard me talk a little bit about how in today's day and age, especially here in the United States, that the reality of what we see, lots of surveys have been done, lots of polls have been taken, that the church has, has in a lot of ways uh, kind of lost her voice in our society. That there was a day, there was a time where the word of God, the church, what God had to say about matters of life was revered, was respected. People uh, very much were tuned in to that voice of influence and they would look to the leaders in the church to help guide and teach them. But ultimately it was God that we were seeking and searching to have the authority and the, and the guiding uh, place in the, in the land of our world, right? And how nowadays it seems like more and more people are, are turning a deaf ear to the church. People are not interested in what the church has to say. Society is putting more and more faith in, you know, wisdom and science and the church is being just kind of pushed out of all the different places in society where she used to be, in the schools, in the government, and things like that. And how many people know that's not the way that God has, has prepared us to live, right? A nation ought to be blessed by God. It ought to be led by God. It ought to be just lifted up and exalted by God himself as her people are following after him. Not perfectly, but seeking him with their heart, full heart, body, mind, and spirit, right? And so when we look around, and I'm not going to get into all this today, but there's a lot of reasons we see why the church has lost her voice. There's a lot of things that we can look at and see examples of things that have happened that we kind of even can make sense of and say, I understand why the church has lost credibility if that's what has happened, you know. But here's what I want to appeal to in you today is that we want to focus on what is the solution moving forward to the church regaining her voice in our land, to the church regaining a place place of influence and, and being respected and, and the word of God being considered the ultimate authority again in our nation. And I may be some quack up here that is a guy who just believes this, but I feel like that we can get back to that again as a, as a country, that it's not lost, it's not over, and that we can see our nation begin to rise up again and be blessed and, and to see God be revered and respected in the word of God in the church the way that she once was at our founding days. Amen. And so we look at the scriptures and we see in 1 John chapter 5, I'm just going to read a couple verses here. Uh, verse 19, it says, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and the eternal life. So the world is being swayed by the wicked one 
our Bible tells us. So in reality, the world is either being swayed one way or the other. We're either, people are either being swayed by the enemy or they're being swayed by God. And we, as the church, the believers, right, who, who are children of God, God is the one, God is using us to be able to sway people in the direction of what his word says. Meaning we're either being swayed or we're swaying is, I guess, what I'm trying to say, right? And so we get this picture that the church is not, a, is not an organization that's being conformed and swayed by the world, but it's an opposition and a force that's pushing back and that's swaying the world away from the plot and the, and the deceptions of what the enemy is trying to set and trap her into. And so our lives, guys, as members of the church, as children of God, our lives that very simply put, are meant to be influential for God in our land. Our lives ought to be having an influential impact on the scenery and on the people that are around us. We're not meant to live dormant. We're not to live in a place of isolation or, or kind of boxed in. We're meant to be swaying the world in the direction that God wants her to go. That he is going to use us and our lives to accomplish that. And I, I think I might have told this story a few weeks back or a couple months ago, I don't even remember anymore, but there was a story I was listening to of a pastor, and he was saying, yeah, you know, I went in to pick up my car from a mechanic shop one day, and I was walking around in the shop. He was showing me what was wrong. He's like, and I was kind of bumping up against some things, and then, I, you know, I had my, my nice clothes on, and I came out, and I realized that everywhere I bumped up against something, there was like residue there was like some dust or some grease or some dirt, right? He's like, and it just kind of occurred to me that I couldn't bump into anything without having some kind of residue left on me. He's like, and it got me thinking that our lives are really a lot like that, that we go through our lives and we bump into people all day long. We come into contact with people and the different facets of what our lives are called to be, our job, our family, our community, our neighborhood, our workplace, whatever, right? And, and, and he's saying when you bump into people, when you interact with people, when your life rubs against someone else's life, there is residue that is left. Something is happening. So the question is, what exactly does that residue look like? What exactly is the byproduct or the outcome of what our lives are leaving as we're walking through day to day in this world and interacting with a people who all need to hear the truth and the reality of what God has planned for them? Our lives can be impacting and affecting things all the time, influential for the sake of God if we're, if we're living in a way that's conducive to that. Does that make sense? So influence is, and I, I wrote down here, game changers, we, we want to raise up game changers, right? Game changers are meant to live lives that are influential for the cause of God in our world absolutely the case. Listen to this. In John chapter 17, verse 15, Jesus says a prayer. Hold on a second. Jesus says a prayer 
right before, this is one of the final prayers that he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane before he goes to the cross. One of the final things that he's finishing up before he's going to fulfill the it is finished plan for our salvation. And he's praying to the Father. He's agonizing over what's getting ready to happen. Listen to one of the things he prays. I don't know about you, but when I think about the moment that Jesus is in and the weight that is being carried, the prayer that he's praying is just even more of in a spotlight to me of what he's going to say. And he's praying a prayer that is for us, for the people that are going to come after he does his work throughout the world. He says, verse 15, I do not pray, God, that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world as I am not of the world. Now, let's just break down a simple point here. We get saved. God, you know, we, we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're born again. We're not beamed right up to heaven. Doesn't happen that way. What are we? We are left here for a time. God foreknows. We don't. However long that may be. He's saying, I don't, Jesus is saying, I don't pray that you just take them out of the world. I pray that you would leave them in the world. Why? So that they can live lives that are influential, that can be impactful, so that more people can recognize and realize a God who loves them and a destiny that he has for them. He's saying they're not, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. You get that, right? Just that's the swaying, not being swayed. Living among a place where there's darkness, but actually living a life that's casting a light, not being conformed by that darkness. So we ought to be living lives, guys, that are influential and impactful, that are making, th- making impacts, quite frankly, that we can never even fully comprehend the magnitude of as we move forward. As the Holy Spirit goes forth with us, in us, and we're living a life of faithfulness and God's plan is being written in our days, you got to understand that when, the, when we have favor with people and influence with people, that, that there's, a, there's an openness, there's a willingness to receive from someone who they esteem as having influence. And so when we're welcome, how many people know the Holy Spirit goes where he's welcome, right? And whenever the Holy Spirit goes into a situation where he's welcome, he always changes the spiritual climate of the environment. Does that make sense? So in order for God to go forth and change the climate of our land, of our nation, which is what we're talking about here, swaying the world in the right direction, then we have to be living lives that are influential, where there's an openness and we can reach into, we can walk into places in our society and God can begin to go with us and then, and then he can do a work in that place and change the spiritual climate of what's happening around everyone. And when God changes the spiritual climate, things are brought down. This is the spiritual part that we, we kind of grasp in our spiritual, with our spiritual eyes is that God brings down strongholds. It says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? So the enemy, he forms defenses and he forms bondages and strongholds in these different places in society and in people's lives. But when the Holy Spirit is going forth and we're living a life that is that God is moving into these places, the spiritual climate can begin to change. Things can be brought down and broken and people can begin to be opened up for the word of God and the seeds of God that we are planting to begin to take root and to grow up in people's lives and change everything about what's happening. Amen? Amen. 
So living a life of influence. Now listen, I want to just go through a few things here, and this isn't by any means like this is the list or an exhaustive list, but things that I believe we see in Scripture mark a person who's living a life of influence. The first one is that we walk in wisdom. And this actually kind of flows out of the message from last week, if you were here for that simple man. And (laughs) just waiting for the song to come on there. Um, So, you know, we live a life where we walk in wisdom, meaning we, we don't put faith in the wisdom of the world. God's our ultimate authority. He's our ultimate source of wisdom and what he says, what he declares. It's, that's our ultimate authority. We, we trust in God before we trust any kind of wisdom or knowledge of the world, right? And as we, and as we read the scriptures and as we study the word of God, we know that what happens is that God puts, he, he brings forth revelation to us. The Bible says is that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as we, as we read and we take in the word of God, that there is revelation that is brought forth in our spirit and then there's a faith that's increased as a result of that and then that actually allows us to be able to live more and more from that place of faith as we oppose the things that the world is bringing against us or that the enemy is bringing against the plans of God in our lives. So we put our faith in the wisdom of God. We trust that as we read the scriptures and as we study God's word and we walk with him and we pray that God raises us up stronger and stronger and we increase in our faith and in our wisdom of what we begin to see and, 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 know, and think the way God sees and thinks as he reveals more and more of his truth to us and then that's the way we live as we go forth in this life and that's what can carry power into a world who's really starving and desperate for it but doesn't even realize that everything that's out there it's 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 superficial or it's 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 temporary right the wisdom of god will stand forever for the rest of time. And we want to walk in that wisdom, not in wisdom that's being formed by some place in society or some work of man, right? And so we walk in wisdom. Number two is that we are living a life of an encourager. We are being an encourager or what the Bible would say is an exhorter, exhortation, right? This is huge to me, so huge. In fact, I wish that I saw, you wish you would see more of this happening. You know, you go about your day, you go into the places that you go, you do your thing. And, and, and I mean, I, I'm not saying this is everybody, but there's a lot of people that are just, they're just not happy. You know, they're just, they're down, they're sulking, they're quick to snap at people. They're just, it's just not good, right? And I don't know if it's because people are just in so much of a hurry or they've got their own stuff going on and they're just inward focused on them. And, but, but, you know, there's just, there's not this sense of everywhere we go, we have an opportunity to encourage and to lift people up with our words. The Bible says that there is death and life in the power of the tongue. Right? It says that out of, the, out of the same mouth can proceed blessing or cursing. 
And, 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 and we must recognize the power and the significance of that. When I go places, when I'm living my life, there is an opportunity before me everywhere that I go. And people in this world are hurting. They're down. They're fighting things behind the scenes that we don't see. But the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a good word in due season is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Is that powerful or what? Meaning that when we go forth and we see an opportunity, hey, you look great today. How are you doing today? Wow, that, you, the way that you just did that, I don't know. You can, if you're looking for something good, you will find it. If you're not looking for it, you're never going to see it. That's the whole point. How many people have played Where's Waldo, right? You know? <laughs> Very, very great biblical example and illustration here. <laughs> That's a little inside deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you are trying to find Waldo, you better be looking for Waldo because if you're just looking at a picture, he's not going to jump out at you, you know? But if you're going forth in your life and you're looking to encourage and uplift and exhort people everywhere you go, I promise you, God will give you the eyes and the ears to see and to hear where those opportunities exist. Because there's people out there praying prayers that God would do something and he just might want to use you to do that something in their lives. Amen. Where's Waldo? <laughs> People are hurting. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful that, that our words carry forth the ability to edify, to build up, to strengthen, to add on to and establish things that God wants to do in people's lives. I love that. I'm going to read this scripture too. This is on those same couple of points. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6 says, Walk in wisdom. That was the first point to those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt that you may know how to answer each one. A lot of people's words are all in salt sprinkled with a little bit of grace. But he's saying, let your words be in grace. Seasoned with salt that they may add encouragement and edification and flavor and spice into people's lives. Our words are powerful and we have the ability to go forth and speak in a way and act in a way that exhorts and edifies the thing that God would be wanting to do in people's lives. Number three is to seek it out, to seek it out, you know, look for it everywhere. That kind of flows out of this last point that I made, but how many people know that right now in this, in this room, there are signals that are flying around in here. We've got wireless microphones up here and we've got Wi-Fi with a router, right? And there's all these things flying around. Watch out. You might just get hit if you're not paying attention, but there's these signals flying around. And if you don't know it, you're just 
completely oblivious to it. But if you go on your device and you tune in and you tap into that signal, then that signal comes right down into the device and it begins to power that thing. And so God is always wanting to use us. He's always wanting to do something through us. There's always a world outside of us that needs to be affected and impacted. And if we've got our Wi-Fi on, if we're looking and we're walking with God each and every day, God, use me today. I'm going here and I'm going there. My meetings are about this or my day is about that. But God, help me see the opportunities that are before me where you can use me to make a difference in someone's lives. I want to be impactful. I want to be influential. And you guys see where I'm going with this today. This is where the church gets her voice back is whenever her members and her body are living lives that are making a difference, carrying the power of God in her, going forth in places in our land and changing the environment because we're living a life that's penetrating and that's impactful, encouraging and uplifting to all of the world around us as we go. We can't be tuned out. We can't have our Wi-Fi signals turned off when we're going through life, focusing on what we've got to do here and there and here, or we'll miss everything that God might be trying to do in and through us as we go about our way. This thing and that thing and that will get accomplished, but there's so much more that God sees, that God is up to, that our lives play a part in in his perfect plan that we can't even begin to imagine. But if we're tuned in and we're looking for it and we're watching, then we will begin to get a sensitivity to that and we will begin to recognize the prompting and the voice of God when he speaks in a whisper in a still small voice to lead us into this place or into that place the Bible says ask and you will receive seek and you will find knock and it shall be open if it's your heart's desire to live a life that is powerfully impactful and influential for God I promise you he will show you the way and he will use you to do just that. He wants to do exactly that through your life. I believe God is looking upon our land and he wants desperately to bring our nation back to a place where we are walking with him as a, as a country. And God is saying, I want to use my people, my children, to live lives that are influential and impactful, that we may inspire and influence people to recognize the goodness of God in all that there is and begin to turn and ask questions and to see and to respect what the word of God has to say about all matters of life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Number four is be you. Be you. No phonies. No fakes. You've got to be you. You've got to be the real you. Too many people, I see this places that I go, and sometimes it's really evident, and sometimes there's just something off, and I don't know, but people are trying to be something that they're not. They're trying to put on a facade. They're trying to wear clothing that doesn't fit them. They're trying to be what they think the world wants them to be. Stop. God has made you perfectly the way he wants to make you. You are unique. You are original. You have gifts and strengths that no one else has. There is no reason or uh, no point in trying to be anything except exactly who you are and who God has created you to be. And there's beauty in that. 
But if we try to, to be something else or someone else to conform to someone else's standards or we're too worried about the, what the world thinks of us and we're not very worried about what God thinks of us, then we, can I tell you something? God will not use someone that you're not created to be. He will use you the way he created you when there is an openness and a willingness to be exactly who it is that you're meant to be. And, and there's power Guys, in recognizing who we are, it's our identity in Christ. That's where all of it flows. We all have an identity. It's not associated with what we do. It's not associated with what we, where we were born, where we live, where we work. It has nothing to do with any of that. We all have an identity, and it's found in Christ. The Bible says that we are heirs, that we are children of God, meaning that we carry a forth a spiritual bloodline, a DNA, that we are children of God, so we are royalty. We are made and created in the image of God. God. He didn't make any mistakes. He didn't screw anybody up in here when he made you. We may have messed ourselves up at points. Thankful for God and his mercy and his forgiveness that he can restore us to a place of righteousness and begin to empower us and use us all the time, no matter where we are. Where you sit today, now, in your life, wherever you're at, I promise you, if you put your faith in God and you'll trust in him, you are fully qualified now where you are to be used. God would love, or the devil would love to isolate you and make you think that you are on the disabled list. How many people know in sports, somebody gets on the disabled list, they're out for the year. They can't get in the game. The devil would love for you to think that where you are, you're too messed up, you've done too much, you're on the DL, baby, you're on the disabled list, you can't be used by God. That's not the truth of God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, or Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You're not qualified because you're so good, you're qualified because he's so good. Amen. Hallelujah. The last thing that I want to say as we live a life of influence. And this is the one that's this is one that's so important that we have to, to grasp and we have to embrace is that we are always to pursue a life of what the Bible calls purification or sanctification. What that means, okay, is that we come, God makes us new, he, he forgives us, and we are restored to a place of righteousness, but we are in this fleshly body while we're here. We're in this sin-filled world, and there's things that God has to purge and work out of our lives. It's purifying. The Bible talks a lot about the refining of silver and how the impurities of silver are purged as the silver is in the flame and the flame begins to purify the silver and the impurities are purged out. And so our lives, God, as we, guys, as we move forward, we are to pursue purification and sanctification. Right, that God would always continue to work out the junk and the stuff in our lives. I am your pastor, and I'm telling you, I got all kinds of junk, and I need God to keep working this stuff out of me. I can be selfish at times. I can snap at my wife. I, well, not really. She snaps at me, but actually. <laughs> but I need this. I am 
fully aware. I better be aware of this. The Bible says that God exalts those who humble themselves. And there is nothing more humbling than recognizing we got stuff that God needs to continue to work out of us. And if he doesn't work it out of us, nobody's going to be able to work it out of us. Because it takes a holy God to do a holy purification to make us into the image of his son. Which the Bible declares we are always in the process of becoming as we walk with him. Transformed more and more into his likeness or into his image. Listen to what David said in Psalm chapter 26, verse 2. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and try my heart. In Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. If, there, if you see any wicked way in me, Lead me in the way everlasting. Listen, this is my heart all the time. God, as I'm walking with you, I am passionate about pursuing a destiny and a plan that you have for my life. Empower me to make an impact in this world. God, to change the scenery of this land. But God, while I walk and move forward, please examine me. God, if there's anything in me that is unfitting for you to, to, that would compromise your ability to use me, God, in any place at any time, get it out of me. Purge it, God. Help me to see. Reveal it to me. Be quick to repent and ask God to, re, to, re, to forgive you. And he will continue to con sanctify and purify us as we move along. And sometimes people miss this or they don't like to hear this kind of teaching. I don't know, but I don't know what to tell you. It's just what we have to do. It's in the word. We are meant to live lives that God, we are on his operating table. He is the surgeon and he must be able to remove and get rid of and push stuff out that isn't meant to be. And we have to be open and willing to get on the table and allow him to operate if anything is ever going to happen. Amen. Okay. Listen, guys, let me read this last verse. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. This is when Jesus was a 12-year-old boy after he was uh, teaching in the temple. It says, just a simple verse, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. This is so powerful to me. Jesus he had favor with God, and he had favor with men. Not all men, but with a lot of people in the world who were open to hearing the message. He had favor with God, meaning God bestowed favor upon him, no different than he's bestowing favor upon us because his Holy Spirit lives in us. There's a, a, a tendency and a bent for God to bless us and to impart grace to us. There's favor on us from God. Just like it says that Jesus had favor with God, but he also had favor with men. Our lives are called to be lives that are influencing and having favor in a world that we are called to live among. Our lives ought to be influential, impactful, and they ought to be changing the landscape and the scenery of everywhere that we go. And again, it's not by our might or by our strength, but by his spirit. 
Amen. Stand to your feet with me today. And I just want to ask you, as you think about this message and you think about the mark, the residue that your life is leaving and making, where are you right now? What are your current entry points into places in people's lives? I believe that right now everybody is already positioned to make a difference, already positioned in places to make an impact. The question is, are we recognizing those things? Are we trusting God and looking for those opportunities and maximizing those situations where God can use us and we can be influential in our world? And I just declare now, today, in Jesus' name, as I was saying in the beginning, I felt the Lord say that he's going to take territory. I speak and I declare just in faith today, and I ask you to receive it if your spirit feels it, that God is going to open new doors for you to be able to have influence and to be able to make an impact in the world around you. God is looking for soldiers. He is looking for warriors who want to go out and live a life of faith that's going to change the world around us. I fully believe that the world is starving right now for an authentic expression of transformational power that she doesn't even know exists. God is that source. And if he can use us and we are open vessels for his Holy Spirit to go forth into the different facets of our society, into government, into schools, into businesses, into families, into every place in our land, that God will begin to bring forth a transformational power that will change the scenery. And people who are starving for something real and powerful will get a taste of something that will leave them dissatisfied with anything else that they could ever find or that the world could ever offer them. And then people will begin to get on fire for God and their own purpose that he has for their lives. And then through multiplying and, and, a, and a movement, God can begin to change our land in a powerful way. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you today, God, for your Holy Spirit. I thank you today for your transformational power. I thank you today for the destiny that you've marked on each person's life that's here this morning. I ask now that if you feel God is speaking to you today, if this message is getting into you today, that you would just receive a new measure of his grace. You just ask him to be able to use you in a new and powerful way and be available to him and be seeking those things that you can find opportunities to be influential for him. And if you don't know Christ this morning, if you've never given your life to him to begin with, I just encourage you, invite God into your heart. Invite him into your life. Ask him, Holy Spirit, come live in me. Make me who you've created me to be. I turn from my old life. I turn away from the life I've known. God, and I turn to you. Invite him in, and he will come and make you new. In Jesus' name, I pray all of this. Amen. Amen.